From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. History unfolds not in neat lines but in complex and often convoluted contours. More than 2 centuries after a decisive battle was fought between the Britishers and the Peshwa rulers in the January of 1818, it's having an unexpected resonance in contemporary India. The Mahars who were then considered untouchables fought on the side of the British and emerged victorious. That side where they took on their caste oppressors has since been memorialized and Bhima Koregaon has become a rallying point for the Dalit community. On 31st December 2017, a few Dalit leaders and left-leaning intellectuals including two retired judges gathered under the aegis of the Elgar Parishad in Pune to discuss issues of Dalit empowerment. But the very next day, violence broke out at the Bhima Koregaon gathering which resulted in the death of one person. Pune city police filed a case against certain activists, academics, lawyers alleging that they had Maoist connection and they had fomented the violence in Bhima Koregaon even though most of them were not even present at the Algar Parishad meeting. That is the crux of the Bhima Koregaon case as we know it today. 16 people were arrested by the National Investigative Agency which took over the case after the state government changed in Maharashtra. They were charged under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act but 3 years on the trial is yet to begin we are all aware how prominent intellectuals lawyers writers poets activists student leaders they are all put in jail just because they have expressed their dissent or raised questions about the ruling powers of the india so we are part of the process hasatam I'm in a way I'm happy to be part part of this process because I'm I'm not a silent spectator but I'm part of it part of the game and ready to pay the price whatever be it. Earlier this week Stan Swami a Jesuit priest from Rachi whom you just heard died while waiting for bail. His friend activist and welfare economist Jean Dres His father Stan Swami's case is not an isolated one but he was still surprised that Stan Swami should be named in a case even though he had never even attended the Elgar Parishad meeting. Well, what happened to Stan Swami is what happens routinely to thousands of people and especially and the privileged peoples including many adivasis around the country and Stan kept saying that he kept saying you know I'm not a unique case I mean this is a process that's happening all over the place and in fact in the last few years of his life he was particularly working for the rise of under trials so i think we have to see this tragedy as a symbol of an enormously larger problem i mean i don't think any other country in the world or certainly very few countries in the world have such a large number of under trial prisoners about 70% of the prison population in the uap cases uh, bail is almost automatically denied 
even though the conviction rate is 2%. So you're denying bail to people who are, you're almost sure that they are innocent and yet they yet to deny them bail. So it's basically a case of people being held guilty until they are proved innocent. I was surprised because he had nothing to do with Bhima Koregaon. I don't think he's ever been there and I, I don't see what, by what stretch of the imagination he could have anything to do with, with the events that happened there. So in that sense, I was surprised. Uh, I was not surprised that a person like him was uh, being harassed because that happens all the time these days in India. And I was aware that uh, the sort of things that he did and stood for and spoke about uh, was not to everyone's liking. And in particular, that by standing for all kinds of underprivileged and persecuted people, he was also standing for people that the government would have preferred to be able to harass. I mean, for example, when he defended under trial prisoners, obviously in Jharkhand, many of these under trial prisoners would have been people who had some connection with Maoists and that may have created an impression that he had connections with them himself. But I don't think that was the case at all. So I think that's what many, or, or, or his uh, solidarity with the Patalgari movement in the county and other areas, which is seen as a subversive movement, quite wrongly in my view. But I think that again gave the impression that he was himself some kind of insurgent. So I think I think that's the only way I can understand what happened, because the accusations against him are really quite bizarre. I asked Suhas Palshikar, social and political scientist, and the co-director of the Lokniti program on comparative democracy at CSDS, that is the Center for the Study of Developing Societies, to explain how the scope of this seemingly localized case had expanded to include activists and intellectuals from Delhi and Mumbai to Jharkhand, Chhattisgarh and Andhra Pradesh. One was surprised mainly because this fact that there have been intellectuals in many cities who have been sympathetic maybe with the Maoist cause, who have also been sympathetic with the cause of the Adivasis, the tribals in the Indian Central Indian Belt, they have been active for their rights, that is to say the rights of the Adivasis, yeah. particularly forest rights, etc. So all this has always been there. This sudden turn of the state power being focused against this group in order to maybe teach them a lesson, in order to maybe frighten them, and also to avoid recruitment of younger academicians and scholars and intellectuals to the cause of Adivasi rights was probably something very new that was happening. In fact, if you recall, before 2016, if you recall for a decade or so, the policy of the government of India was twofold. A very aggressive policy to actually counter Maoist insurgency on the field. Uh, YSR in Andhra Pradesh and elsewhere, various state governments joined hands in this. But at the same time, a recognition that this is a political question and also a development-related question. And that is why many good administrators have always tried to win over the Adivasis away from the Maoists by bringing development to those belts of Adivasis and in central India, including parts of Maharashtra, which were successful. Then YSR also entered into negotiations and much earlier, long ago, Lalu Prasad actually should be given the credit 
of entering into negotiations and asking them to come up front rather than being underground so this capacity of the political process to bring the even the underground militants into the democratic fold of negotiations was suddenly lost because of this bima korega so as you rightly said apart from the legalities the larger loss is our confidence in the democratic political process first the pune police registered the case then of course nia got into the act the trial has yet to begin uh, but now you must have seen the report of of the of arsenal the agency in the us which has said that there was a malware which was implanted if that were to be true then what we are talking about is a very uh, is a desperate state are you surprised by that yes you use the term state and i would sort of be uh, segregated into three layers uh, but largely yes this is very surprising because it indicates a loss of confidence on the part of the indian state that it can win over its own citizens who are unhappy that suddenly has happened but i don't think it has happened all of a sudden there is a long process to it you would recall that after the death of father stan swami one person among the political establishment who has openly come out to not only express grief but to also symbolize his association with stan swami is chief minister of jharkhand yes hemant soren yes. and i i would i would really love to hear him on this question because among the state chief ministers uh it's not because of his anti bjp politics but i think he realizes that in a state like jharkhand the plight of adivasis is so bad that you need to negotiate the issue rather than suppress the issue father stan swami ka nidhan ho chuka hai hamare desh ke vartaman vyavastha aaj usse nigal gayi मानव अधिकार की लड़ाई के लिए आदिवासियों की आवाज बनना उनको बहुत महंगा पड़ा हमारे बीच से गरीबों की आवाज बनने वाले लोगों के ऊपर प्रताड़ना का सिलसिला जारी है अगर ये ना रुका तो शायद लोकतंत्र के मायने बदल जाएंगे आज संविधान बिल्कुल कागज के टुकड़ों में ही सिमट के रह जाएंगे दस द झारखंड चीफ मिनिस्टर हेमंत सोरेन स्पीकिंग ऑन स्टैंड स्वामी सोरेन वॉज ऑल्सो वन ऑफ द सिग्नेटरीज ऑन द लेटर सेंड बाई ऑपोजिशन लीडर्स टू द प्रेसिडेंट ऑफ इंडिया अबाउट द इनह्यूमेन ट्रीटमेंट मीटेड आउट टू स्टैंड स्वामी But regardless of that letter, which had little effect, Suhas Palchikar says almost the entire political class has, over the years, had a muted consensus that those with Maoist leanings must be taught a lesson. Even among political parties, there seems to be a muted consensus that Maoists need to be taught a lesson. They are a headache. the second layer to that is the administration particularly the police administration 
and in spite of a number of individual intelligent police officers both in odisha or elsewhere who realize that the issue is political and not just law and order my suspicion is that the larger chunk of the police administrative establishment is simply bloodthirsty and believes that they must revenge the death of their police personnel it is natural for any force to feel angry when their personnel is killed in encounters with militants and yet at the same time it is the responsibility of the leadership of the police to train their cadres to hold their hands that has probably not happened mm. and therefore i think both the mutedness of the political establishment and the complicity of a section of the police administration must have finally encouraged the present regime which is the third layer of the state which came about in 2014 which believes that communism of any sort is anti national once you have taken that position that any communist thinking of whatever variant even the cpi for that matter and then to maoism is anti national then it becomes as a regime your national responsibility to annihilate them rather than negotiate with them even the judiciary he fears has narrowed its own role when it comes to protecting political and civil liberties of activists choosing instead to go soft in the state on anti-libertarian laws the judiciary generally in india has avoided a direct confrontation with the state institutions of executive and legislature and in fact the work of professor satyanjan sathi Uh, has shown that in spite of the talk of judicial activism judiciary has generally ideologically taken the same line that we would identify with the political establishment so one is not surprised if today judiciary is taking a narrow view of its role in protecting political liberties and civil liberties of activists and citizens that is what is happening in the bima koregao case and that is where the question of uapa comes because uapa needs to be examined again by the judiciary and the unwillingness of the judiciary to do, do that at least so far indicates that the judiciary is trying to run away from this very critical problem uh, i guess since the 1980s Uh, since the time when the state of india started waging a war against terrorism and you would recall that this terrorism thing uh, happened with khalistan since then the judiciary has generally been soft on anti libertarian laws passed by the legislature mm. so finally it led to the a repeal of tada quota 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 and tada etc uapa is nothing but the same again and probably worse than that father stan swami's death has seems to at least touch some sort of a chord how do you see this playing out if i were to ask you to sort of look into the future a bit bleak that would be my answer i don't think the judiciary expressing sorrow would do anything ideally what the judiciary should now do 
is A, to treat this as custodial death. B, to consider the question of revisiting the maxim of not jail but bail to be the rule, even in cases of UAPA, where particularly the accused are not charged, not tried, and the accused, like in the case of Stan Swami, were not likely to run away or further actively engage themselves in anti-state activities or anti-national activities. And fourth, the fourth thing the judiciary should do is to take up the question of the constitutional validity of UAP in its entirety, not just about the bail provision, but entirety. My argument for this is that one has to make a distinction between organized crime as crime and violence emerging out of political positions or political ideological thinking. This should be treated, Maoism should be treated even in legal and juridical terms as distinct from merely an organized crime yes. uh, where you have a, a criminal gang in Mumbai or somewhere. So that these are two different things conceptually. And unless we face the fact that this is a political issue, just as Maoism is a political issue, all cessationism is also a political issue. If you can talk to Naga rebels, if you talk to Gupkar, why can't you talk also to the Maoists? That is the question. Mm. And the larger question, therefore, is both for judiciary and the political establishment, are we going to equate all distasteful political opposition with crime? And I'm saying this because I'm on record about my reservations about the tactics, strategy, and ideological position of Maoists. Mm. So I'm not saying that Maoism is a panacea. Yes. In fact, I have opposed this both in my writings, in my speeches, in my interviews. But I would still believe that there must be a space for Maoists to argue and there must also be a legal space for the government of India to tackle this question without treating them just like as any other gangster. There is a difference between the two. The philosophy of the Indian constitution and democratic practice that we have adopted, let us say, in our negotiations earlier with Nagas and Mizos, is that even if you as an opponent don't believe in the constitution of India, we will bring you to the ta negotiating table and keep pushing you into talking within the constitutional framework. Yes. Now, this is a political art. But this art is possible only when you have in the first place a conviction that everyone needs to be talked to. We are losing that conviction. We are losing the art of conversation. So dissent or as I said, distasteful political opposition or minorities of all kinds are bound to get further marginalized, lose their legal protections, not formally, but in practice. And that, in a sense, is the shrinking of democracy in the broader sense of the term. So you think that finally the, uh, what Amartya Sen called the argumentative Indian, that he has been shut up, 
well uh, to be frank we have lost that characteristic much earlier i wouldn't say that this has happened only suddenly but now we are taking pride in the fact that there will be no argument and therefore in that sense we are probably turning the entire wheel of history in which we would otherwise take pride and becoming ourselves as something which we historically probably were never so it is in this sense that we are being a society with a closure of arguments and closure of ideas as well the bhima koregao and the death of stan swami are not isolated things they should be seen in the context of this impending closure was emergency the closest time that to what we are and i don't mean emergency in terms of the political declaration of emergency but in the in the environment was that the closest time or do you recall any time uh, when were we closest to what we are today i would say certainly not during the emergency for the simple reason that though the emergency was oppressive and anti democratic i think this closure just didn't happen then for the simple reason that there was in the intellectual sphere a lively opposition to the emergency yes in the minds of a large section of the intelligentsia and secondly and that is in a sense our good fortune that the emergency as such came to an end in 1819 months time and therefore the closure that it could have brought about suddenly disappeared so frankly i wouldn't know in our recent history when have we actually faced this closure because if you look back to the, the last 100 to 200 years it has been a period of more and more opening up more and more possibilities being created trying to talk against caste for example openly being anti brahminical 100 years ago there was actually an anti brahmin political position for the simple reason that rebellion was possible then both in actual field as well as in the field of ideas today when i say closure it means that different thinking is not being possible in the field someone like anandel tumbe who thinks differently will be branded and probably convicted so i'm sorry i can't give you any parallel in our recent contemporary democratic political history because india's democratic history to my mind begins with jyotirao phule and if you count from then it has been a time of opening up and broadening up of possibilities we have not become a fully democratic society but the dream has always been there now we are replacing that dream with a limited dream of democracy allowed only within the defined interests of the nation bourgeois dress sees things somewhat differently he feels that the outpouring of solidarity after father stan swami's death would suggest that the civil society remains active and may yet cause cracks in the closing up that suhas palchikar worries about allowing for the light to come in 
I think that there are still all kinds of people who are willing to stand up for their principles and their beliefs and for other people's rights. And if anything, it may even have the opposite effect. I mean, I think that today when you see the outpouring of solidarity that happened uh, with Stan, I wouldn't call that a chilling effect at all. Today's episode was produced by Arun George, Jairaj Singh and Joshua Thomas. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TUI+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcasts at timesinternet.in.